Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. Welcome back to the number one MLB podcast on the internet. Like always, you already know who it is. James. Yo, yo, yo. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's go. go. Let's, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so there's 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 a lot of exciting things happening um in baseball as we wind down towards uh you know this this small yet big event that happens, you know, once a year. And James just cluing me in about a race that is going on in the American League East. You know, we have, he was telling me, we have less than 10 games left and we have three teams fighting for the big number one spot. James? Well, it's not the number one spot. It's three teams fighting for two wild card spots. Well, two wild card spots. The Still one number, number one spot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what ends up happening is one of the three will get pushed out of the, of the playoff race entirely. Um, and I'll tell you right now, I remember at different points in the last few years, last 10 years or so, uh, baseball was exciting for one reason or another. And, it, you know, I remember it really being exciting because everybody was hitting home runs. Everybody was getting on base. And now what we're starting to see is an era beginning almost of teams that are more balanced, teams that are more complete, um, you know, I was doing my power rankings the other day, and we'll get into this after we talk a little bit about this race here. Uh, I was getting into my power rankings, and I ended up looking at each of the top 10 teams, and I realized, like, a lot of these teams are really well-balanced, at least in their position players. So it ended up being something that um, I looked into uh, and, and realized that, you know, the game has, has, has kind of started to turn a corner. Uh, more teams are making their rosters the way or closer to the way that I would make it, uh, where it's based off of um, balance, based off of being able to field, uh, being able to run the bases, just be able to play like, you know, a baseball team should play. Um, and, and teams are starting to realize that that is immensely more important um, than just having a bunch of sluggers together. Um, I think there might be like maybe one, maybe two teams within the top 10 or around the top 10 who are, you know, slugger teams where they're not very well balanced. Um, Yankees being one of them. Um, but, you know, talking about the Yankees, you can be, you know, uh, you, you can be stacked with talent, but if you don't have the right amount of defense, base running balance, all of it, lefty, righty, all of it, aggressive patient um it's not going to take you as far as you're going to want to go now the yankees do have a lot going for them um i think in their specific issue their specific issue is really more of the manager in my opinion i think they they have tons of talent they have tons mm -hmm. and tons of talent it's about how of you course you wouldn't be in the sport if you didn't have that. talent yeah yeah and if you're looking at the amount of talent that they have versus the amount of talent that you know the teams around them have the Red Sox and the Blue Jays have, there's no way that the Yankees shouldn't have a much better record. Um, so to me, it's very, very clear that it's the management of how the talent was used rather than the talent itself. So um, that's frustrating. Um, it's not, it's not fun to see. Um, but nonetheless, 
they are right there with those two teams and still fighting for a playoff spot. Um, the Yankees, I believe they're on like a five-game winning streak. So it's back to them being hot after they went through that cold period that almost completely mm-hmm. nullified, you know, when they were when they were on fire. It's like, okay, well, you know, you're going to win for 13 games straight and then you're going to lose for a whole bunch. But, you know, assuming that this hot streak goes anywhere close to as long uh, as the, the last hot streak, even if it just lasts like eight games winning streak or nine game winning streak or something like that, or even, you know, no winning streak, but, you know, over a course of like 13 games mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, well, that's going to take us through the end of the season. So um, I'm hoping that that's enough for the Yankees to get their spot in there. But the Blue Jays have been really, they, they, they've had the Yankees number all year. Um, the Yankees have kind of started to catch up versus the Red Sox. But that doesn't mean that the Red Sox haven't, you know, done better than the Yankees for the majority of this year, um, especially when it really mattered. There was a period of time where, like, we were, we were facing them and we could have jumped really right back in there. And I think they swept us. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. The Yanks got, um, you know, a, a three-game series coming up with the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are always always whooping us and then after that there's a three game series with tampa bay rays so you know those if you have a team that's that's really whooping us and then you have the tampa bay rays who are one of the best teams in the sport and those that's how you end the season with those six games i mean it's going to be tough it's going to be a battle uh to get into into that playoff spot um the yankees i believe right now they're either tied or they're one game ahead of the Red Sox for the first wild card spot, um, but they're all within a, a very like within two games basically. Yeah, time. all of those teams are within two games of each other roughly. Um, so what I could see end up happening is I could see easily, you know, um, the Blue Jays win two out of three, the Rays win two out of three, and then you know if the Red Sox finish strong, and the Blue Jays finish strong when they're not playing the Yankees at the you know at the very end you know, their, their last three games or so. Um, I could easily see the Yankees get pushed out. And it's an incredibly disappointing thing because for me, you know, the American League East was very step-by-step step before the year. Mm-hmm. It was, to me, Tampa Bay. Then it was, I don't know, no, sorry. It was, to me, it was the Yankees. And I agree. I still think it's it, that's talent-wise. If you have a different manager in there and, and injuries don't happen, number one. They're number one. They're the best team if, the, if they're healthy and if it's a different manager in that. But it ended up being, you know, because number two to me was the Rays. And if anything had happened where, like, management seriously affected the team or injuries would go down, like, big injuries would go down, um, yeah, it was clearly like, um, you know, yeah, Rays can, can take over the number one spot. Uh, but I had them at two at the beginning of the year. Three, I had the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. So, lo and behold, you have the Rays in the number one spot, and then the, the Red Sox are right there. I had the Blue Jays in the fourth spot. So credit to the Blue Jays. They ended up performing a little bit better than I thought that they were going to. Um, and I think that if I'm going to look at any of the guys, like George Springer did things that I thought George Springer would do. Vlad, he did things I thought Vlad would do. Um, a lot of people thought that Kevin Biggio was really, really great. I was like, eh. And he was very, eh. Um, I was a big Lourdes Gurriel fan and I thought he was going to do terrible because mm-hmm. like, well, again, before the year, I didn't think he was going to do terrible before the year. I was a huge fan. 
And then he'd started off so terrible. And I was like, oh, no, this is a miss. This is a miss. This is a clear miss. You know, this is this is a guy who I thought was you know ready and everything. And he's still going through growth or whatever. Well, I was actually right. And he ended up having a really good rest of the year. So he didn't really, you know, exceed my expectations. He, he, he actually was as good as I thought he was. You got Bo Bichette, who's their shortstop. And I thought he was going to have a down year. But I didn't think that, like, I, I thought it was going to be a little bit more down than it was. If that makes sense. That does make sense. I thought that it was going to be one of those things where, like, if you look at his numbers, right, he's definitely out hitting what I thought he was going to do. But also, I thought this year that as the year went on, he'd have more and more issues versus righties. And that's been the case. It's just he's been less vulnerable to them than I would have thought. So while he's definitely doing a lot better versus lefties, he's still doing well enough versus righties where it's fine. It's perfectly fine. So he kind of exceeded my expectations, but he also, like, as the second half came in, really tired out, which is, again, exactly what I expected. I just didn't expect him to do a little bit as good as he's doing versus righties. That was the only the difference with his profile. So he a little bit exceeded my expectations. Marcus Semien blew my expectations out of the water. So he's probably the one that gets a lot of credit, in my opinion, with the Blue Jays for um, making them better than I thought they were offensively. And then the other guy who, I, you know, he had, he had performed in the minors, but we didn't know whether he was ever going to perform at the majors, was Danny Jansen. And ever since the second half, what Danny Jansen has done for the Toronto Blue Jays, that's why they are where they are. He, he, no one talks about it. No one talks about it. And I haven't seen anyone talk about it. I'm kind of the first person to mention it. But if you can have a catcher who's hitting for that kind of offense – it, 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 when you have, we have offense like they have everywhere else, it completes everything. You know, they've been having guys like Reese McGuire, at catcher, who can't hit. They've uh, tried Alejandro Kirk there, and uh, Kirk can hit, but he's not exactly a great defender. So they've been really trying to get him elsewhere, play him elsewhere. Um, it's been thought that they'd have to, you know, wait for Gabriel Moreno to come up from the minor leagues. I feel like I'm missing another one of their catchers, but um, you know, they've been trying different guys out there for quite some time. And now it looks like they got a guy, Danny Jansen. So uh, between Semyon and between him, I think those are probably the two players that exceeded my expectations the most. And then of course, at the deadline, they got Barrios. Uh, they made a couple of moves. Um, Manoa on the pitching side, um, he came up, from their system he was very good and their bullpen has gotten better and better as the year has gone on as well i mean they've been very very good about the additions that they've been making during the season i just got to credit their front office and i got to credit the way that um, their front office is deciding to put the team together i think that they are doing a phenomenal job and i think they're proving to be a top front office right before our eyes right now so again i'm giving the blue jays a lot of credit here um that being said, but you always do though. I feel like I feel well, like you always give the Blue Jays a lot of credit. Like, I, yeah, I they're they're a really smart team. Uh, their fans get upset at me because before the year, I was like, yeah, I, you guys got a great team, and you're you know along the growth process, you know, about as good as anyone could be. But this is a fourth place team, mm-hmm. you know. 
and they were all angry at me. Right. And they have a chance of not being now. So, you know, make me eat, you know, my words, you know, go ahead. But, you know, if we're being completely honest, if the Yankees have a completely different manager, it's not like you're going to be competing with the Yankees for the fourth place spot. You'd be trying to compete with the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. And um, right now that's close. You know, again, like, you know, it could go either way. All three teams are competing for two spots. So um, it just really, really sucks to me because for me, it was very much a, a sequential definite about who's better than who. Toronto's clearly better than the Orioles. Uh, if, if it's a different manager, the Yankees' talent is clearly better than the Rays. Um, but, you know, again, with this manager, Rays. Um, you know, Yankees' talent and, you know, even with an average manager, better than the Red Sox, better than the Blue Jays. That's not even a question. Um, the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, to me, are a lot more similar than people think. And part of the reason of that is, you know, the fact that the Blue Jays added some guys at the deadline that rounded out their team, gave them pitching to go with the hitting. Um, and the fact that the Blue Jays also had certain hitters emerge that rounded out their lineup, made it really a complete order. I think that's the reason why they're competing with the Red Sox right now, even though the Red Sox mm -hmm. did add Kyle Schwarber. I don't think at the beginning of the season that really would have been the case. I thought that there was a clear separator. But, you know, now we're at this point in the year where uh, the Blue Jays have made all of the right moves and they've had the right players emerge. So, I don't know. I could see Boston possibly being the team that gets bumped out. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, there is a part of me that hopes that the Yankees actually are the team that gets bumped out, even as a Yankee fan, which is going to be like blasphemy, you know, right? <laughs> But I really think that the Yankees need to move on from Aaron Boone. And I don't think that there's a clearer message to be sent to the front office than if this team misses the playoff. Mm. And then the other side of it is this. The Blue Jays and the Red Sox have just so concise, fundamental rosters. And the Yankees are kind of just all over the place. Some guys who are good players may not play just because of how Aaron Boone puts together lineups. So it's like, you know, Luke Voigt's on the bench in a playoff game and whatnot, you know, because he wants Stanton at DH. Like, <laughs> boy, you know, boy, <laughs> you know, the meme, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it, it literally, like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing, Boone? So there's a part of me that is like, okay, well, they need to make that change. There's no other way to really push that message as clearly as if they, you know, miss the playoffs. And then the baseball fan in me, right? The baseball fan in me, because I'll tell you, I, I'm so tired of the Yankees right now. But the baseball fan in me is like, well, if you have a more fundamental or, or, or concise team and you know that, the, that all the important players are going to get played in the important games, right? Isn't that just better for baseball that those are the teams that make the playoffs? You know, if a team like the Yankees where a bunch of great players are going to be on the bench in important games – makes the playoffs over a team that's concise and just everybody leans on each other in the right ways, mm -hmm. balanced, you know, the Red Sox are very balanced. The Blue Jays are very concise, meaning like their lineup, that's their guys. It's not like, Oh, we're going to play this guy on the bench one day and this guy another day. And you all, you're only going to get one of them any individual day, or maybe the other you'll get, but it'll be after the eighth inning or you get mm -hmm. the idea, right? No, the Blue Jays, they just have their guys. 
and they're able to perform at this level with those guys. It's very concise. And I think you're able to get like a lot out of each of those guys because outside of that, how do you perform at this level? You know? So that's where I'm at with regards to, you know, I think it would make it, it makes for better baseball for the red, for the Red Sox and, and the, uh, the Blue Jays to make the playoffs and the Yankees to not. And it mm. also makes for a better situation in the future for the Yankees. And also, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, and I really don't think I'm wrong. It actually makes the Yankees in a better draft position for next year. If they fi- finish further on down in the rankings, then they get a higher draft. So across the board, I don't think the Yankees are going to win the World Series this year. So mm-hmm. it actually almost benefits the club to just miss the playoffs, get a new manager, um, and, you know, get that extra or not, not extra draft pick but that higher up draft pick yeah so that's 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 where the yankees are at in my opinion boston is really interesting to me because boston is doing things from a very baseball-minded perspective um their catcher is definitely a guy who shows up in big games um but he's mainly a defense first guy i i, I like to think of him as like a lesser version of yadier molina because he's got that great arm. He's got that great level of defense, but he's not quite the hitter that Yaddy is. They both show up in big moments because there's more hitting in the tank uh, for both of them, assuming that, you know, they were able to maintain more consistent uh, conditioning and, and playing time. But, you know, that's all you really need at catcher is a guy who can at minimum hit lefties and hit in big moments and be a stud defender. And that's what he does. At third base, they have Devers who is a lefty. He's not really that great of a defender, but that's okay because in the future, you might be able to move him to first. And I'll explain why that's a thing because, you know, I'll just explain it now. Why not? The first baseman, Dahlbeck, he's played third base in the minor leagues. So I don't know. I think try him over at third, move Devers over to first. Devers is probably an outstanding fielder if you put him over at first. The third baseman convert well to first. And Dahlbeck, you don't need him to be a stud over there. You just need him to be better than Devers. Mm. And you've massively improved your defense if you do that. So that's an internal move that I think, you know, they can make over the offseason and just upgrade immediately. Um, Dahlbeck has proved to be, well, definitely a high strikeout bat, a possible good hitter to have around in the second half of a season when you know his swing speed has really aligned with the you know the, the 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 balls that he's getting pitched to he's a righty you have right now you have Jose Iglesias and i believe he's playing second base for the Red Sox right now which is interesting uh it's mainly because i think this year was a bad defensive year for him but typically i like him defensively more than i like Xander Bogarts i think part of the reason why they want to do that is because if you use Iglesias with the shift, there's a lot of different ways you can utilize him. And I think he really makes the shift a weapon. In addition to that, Iglesias with lineup protection, uh, being the type of hitter that he is, he'll hit more for sure. Um, he didn't have nearly as much lineup protection as he thought he would in, in LA. And then the other thing is he came up to the Red Sox system. And in the Red Sox minor leagues, they have ballparks that are like Fenway. Uh, and he even played a little bit in Boston at the big league level. So playing in a ballpark like that, you know, with lineup protection, you know, as a righty who's now, you know, been in the league for a bit, I think that's why he's going off offensively. So he's been a key player for them to add 
defensively, offensively, for many reasons. So they added him. Uh, at shortstop, they have Bogarts. This is the other reason I think that they're keeping Bogarts at shortstop right now. With the monster being right behind him, all you got to do is put Verdugo with his throwing arm right behind him, right behind Verdugo, or right behind Bogarts. And no one's going to advance to second on a ball that gets past Bogarts. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to keep being singles because Verdugo has a cannon. He's an absolute gun. In right field, you have another guy with a gun. You have Hunter Renfro. Renfro's been making you know stellar throws all year, uh, gunning guys out at third and second on the base paths. And he's also shown that he's a second half hitter and he's really hitting for power now. That's another guy. And then in center field, they have Enrique Hernandez, who's a big game guy. Um, they've been using him in the leadoff spot for quite some time now, and it's been working. It sparked him, him getting more pitches to hit and, you know, not having to think about how to perform with people on base and just thinking about performing period has really allowed him to advance as a ball player. Uh, now he's actually a good producer and he's a great clubhouse guy. So that gives you, uh, you know, a, a, almost a full team because we haven't discussed DH. DH, they got JD Martinez, as good of the DH as they get in the game. So um, that's the Red Sox. That's what they have going offensively. And there's definitely a few guys that they can swap in from the bench now and then, but that's really the squad. That's really the guys that are important to note about here. Okay. And for the Blue Jays, it's like Jansen, it's like Vlad Jr., it's like Loretis Guriel, it's like Springer, it's like Bichette, it's um, uh, Semyon, Teoscar Hernandez. Um, you know, it's once again the main grouping of position players. It's the main guys. And they're doing all of what they've been doing this year with that same grouping. Um, so you got to give them a lot of credit there. You got to give them a lot of credit because to have like the, like most teams, they'll swap in the bench all the time. But, um, again, that's also something that we're starting to see less of. Like I said, we're moving towards this era where baseball teams are starting to look more like baseball teams again. Like if you look at the Phillies, the Phillies, like a couple of years ago, they didn't have the depth to compete with a lot of these other teams. Now, because the Phillies invested in some of the top end talents in the major leagues that were just going to stay top end talents for quite some time when all of this depth got sorted through and it realized that like, okay, well now the league has adjusted to each of these guys that you used as depth. And it's only, you know, you're, you're back to depending on your core. Well, the Phillies core is better than most courts. So now the Phillies are still really good. Again, they're not, they're not like, you know, the Dodgers, you know, they're, they're not the Astros cheaters they're not they're not the rays you know but they're they're relevant they're right up there close to the first place spot i think they're a game and a half out or something like that they could still in theory finish in first so um you got to give a lot of credit to understanding how the long game was going to be when the phillies formulated their roster because very clearly they realized all right we may not have the depth to compete in the short term but a lot of the guys that we have right here they're going to be good for a while. So as long as we go with manufacturing inexpensive depth and we just take our time over the years, these guys are going to stay good. Brilliant. Brilliant. If you're thinking about how they thought about the long-term Now, short-term a lot less brilliant. And they've been doing a lot of situations where they just release guys. Like they released Vince Velasquez. It's like what? And they did this, I think with like Corey Dickerson, they did it. They yeah. do this all the time. It's really weird. Instead of trading a guy for like little chips here and there, 
whatever it, whatever it ends up being, if it, even if it's guys who are just eligible for the Rule 5 draft in the winter, you know, and just adding a couple of guys, it, it makes a difference. It actually does because, you know, one of these guys ends up being, okay, he's not a starter, but he's a bullpen piece. And you have an inexpensive bullpen piece. Even if he's an average bullpen piece, that's now a spot filled for no money. So um, the, the Phillies have done this for a little while. So that frustrates me. But, you know, the other side of it is this. They hired the right manager, too. Mm-hmm. Joe Girardi gets the maximum amount of his rosters. That's something that I've, you know, ever since Joe Girardi, you know, joined the Yankees, he gets the maximum. I don't know how in 2013 he got the Yankees roster to win more games than they lost. That's, that's beyond me. That's completely beyond me. So for him to, you know, be with this team that has Harper, McCutcheon, Didi, Segura, Romuto, you know, you get the idea. I think it's really perfect. He's been using Ronald Torres. We used, used to use all the time with the Yankees in big situations to, to kind of assist the regular guys. But it's not like he's using guys in and out and in and out and in and out. He's got his main group of guys, and he uses specifically Torres to assist them because every once in a while a manager has his guy. Like for a while, I think Boston's guy was like Brock Holt. And I feel like Nick Punto was the Twins guy back in the day. Ron Gardenhire's guy back in the day. You know, just a guy that these managers like to use off the bench because they know that they can pinch run or pinch hit or whatever. You know, put them in for defense and big plays will be made. Managers love that kind of thing. So, um, but I digress. I, 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 I think that the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, are, they, they formulate their teams very, very cleanly. And I think that they almost deserve to get into the playoffs over the Yankees. So, you know, like. Wow, uh, big words from you. Yeah, it's just. it's. Oh, my well, goodness. What? It, it, you can't be as inconsistent as the Yankees have been. And the Yankees roster, believe it or not, while it's really good, it's really good while hot. When it's cold, it's not. And the one thing that's really important to understand is pitchers are fairly consistent, even in inconsistency. So if you have a pitcher come in, right, and they're having a bad day, they're probably going to keep having a bad day, Mm. right? Uh, If you have a pitcher come in and they're having a good day, they're probably going to keep having a good day. Now, first inning aside, because first inning, pitchers are usually just trying to get into form. Usually that's when those solo home runs come in. But after that, you know, that's kind of how it is. Pitchers are consistent in their inconsistency. Either it's a good day or a bad day. All right. And in that they're throwing and missing at the same rates, the same areas, roughly, because it's one pitcher. It's not multiple pitchers with a bunch of different pitches. It's one pitcher who's being consistent with inconsistency, whether they're being successful or in or not successful for the entire game. They're going to be missing in the same ways. So, if you build a lineup that's dependent on mistakes where the whole lineup is dependent on mistakes, when a pitcher's not feeling it and they're getting pitches to hit, the whole lineup's going to hit. But if the pitcher is feeling it, they're not going to hit. And if you have a couple of really good pitching performances and it can just throw off your lineup and make them cold for a little bit, it, it just ruins all the momentum you're trying to build. It's an argument against the way that the Braves put together their roster back when they had the Uptons together. I thought we had learned our lesson from that kind of thing, that too many strikeouts is actually a problem and that strikeouts aren't something that people can just ignore. And we talked about it in, in our, I think our last show, 
about how strikeouts, we answered a question about this, how strikeouts aren't something to worry about. There's something to worry about when it's the whole team. Mm-hmm. Now, on an individual level, there's all sorts of things that can make strikeouts absolutely okay, mainly with approach. If you want to learn more about that, check the previous episode. It's really interesting, actually. But if you have the whole team striking out, then the whole team can go cold all at once with a good pitcher on the mound. And again, you can find ways around this where the guys that strike out for you are guys who, you know, they're they're striking out, trying to hit anything in and around the strike zone. You balance a guy like that out with guys who are, you know, that's a lefty platoon bat. He doesn't really strike out, but he, you know, he, he, he gets on base. He runs the base as well. And he hits righties. Uh, That's a guy who, you know, he's, he's a contact hitter. He'll hit around 300, but he also walks. Main thing is that's how he performs. He's not really a power guy, though. He's just mainly for contact to all fields. Or that guy, he, his thing is he gets on base to use his legs. Or that guy where, like, just diversify things. Diversify things. Because um, if you go with guys who all need mistakes, the things that are going on with the Yankees can go on. Where you win 13 games in a row, and then you completely nullify it over the next – 14 or so games it's like what was the point of that you know so um you know i think that that's something that the yankees really need to focus on need to focus on making the roster a little bit more well-rounded um the blue jays actually have a lot of money to spend in the offseason i was talking with a friend about this he actually opened my eyes a little bit to how much money the blue jays have to spend assuming they want to so even if the Blue Jays end up being the team that gets pushed out, uh, pushed out of it, fear not, Blue Jays fans, you guys can spend. It's a good time to spend. There's a bunch of really great athletic talents who are, are exactly the kind of guys that you need who are on the market, like exactly the kind of guys you build your team with, where like by themselves, they contribute enough to the winning effort where in theory, like other teams could be like, oh, we're going to lean on this guy. If you, the Blue Jays have made their roster so everybody leans on everybody, you know, there is no weak link. They're all strong. Um, and there's a lot of guys that are like that, a lot of Semyon types, a lot of Bichette types, a lot of Springer types, a lot of, I don't well, know, there's not Vlad Guerrero's because there's almost never Vlad Guerrero's on the market. There's not a lot of those because there aren't a lot of those. But there are a lot of guys who are guys that have a diverse enough game where you can really start locking things down. Um, and I think that they're close enough there and they're close enough on pitching where immediately next year they're a factor to possibly win the division. So even if you get pushed out, even if you're fourth place, as I've been saying all year, um, look, hey, it might be my Yankees, you know, so whatever. But, you know, even if that happens, fear not, you know, you guys are set up for such a run. You know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit afraid, to be honest. You guys got a great team. Um, then you got the Red Sox. And this is the last team I'll, I'll leave off on. And, and then, you know, we'll bid the adieu. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> that French stuff. Right? I know. No, I know. Yeah. 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 Uh, surprise. I'm like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, the, the Red Sox, you know, you got Kyle Schwarber, who is only a guy that I've been saying since the first day that I saw him, that he reminded me of David Ortiz. So that's a perfect fit for Boston. Um, you got Alex Verdugo, who's only going to be getting better, even though, you know, he's a bit of a hothead. Um, just a little bit, you know. Um, 
Um, you, you got Enrique Hernandez, who's really emerged for you as, you know, a great leadoff option um, and a great clubhouse presence and a great big game player and a plus base runner. I mean, he's everything that you'd need him to be. Uh, you got Renfro, who's now officially emerged because he's learning how to use the green monster. I knew I had a feeling he was going to learn how to use that. I think we did early on in the season um, when we were talking about different players across you know different positions. I remember bringing up Renfro as a guy who you know with lineup protection that he has in Boston, and the Green Monster could really start putting up power numbers in the second half. Um, that's that's exactly what he did. Um, Devers is a fantastic hitter, heading straight into his prime. He already really is in his prime, but like it looks to get even better or just stay the same, which is he's a, he's a monster. So it's perfect. Um, Bogarts, he's a stud. He's been a stud. Um, and they've been depending on him, Devers and JD Martinez to kind of be the guides of the middle of the order. Um, it's a little bit much to depend on just three guys for, which is why they brought in Schwarber that balances things out. And then, you know, you got Iglesias to help continue things on with guys who are plus base runners like Verdugo or like um, Enrique Hernandez, who are at the top or the bottom of the order, depending on how you want to structure that lineup. Um, now, does that mean that, you know, that's how you're going to move forward? The Red Sox could go out there, add an outfielder, any outfielder, because they could move Verdugo to center field. Um, they could, you know, move on from Iglesias and have Enrique Hernandez move back to second base. Or the Red Sox could add a second baseman or the Red Sox could add a shortstop, move Bogarts to third and Devers to first. Or the Red Sox could add a third baseman, move Devers to first and, and dial back to an outfield position. Or the Red Sox could upgrade a catcher. The Red Sox have created a situation where there's many places that they could go to upgrade based off of whichever player is the best option for the price on the market. So they've set themselves up very well, although to be honest, I think that they need more pitching. So... Those three teams, all three of them, they all have amazing reasons to be really excited about the next few years. And that's not even talking about the Tampa Bay Rays. So I think the AL beast is back, is back to being a monster of a division. And uh, I don't know, the next few years are going to be pretty exciting. You know, uh, I think the Yankees, uh, they need to think, rethink about their window. And I think that'll lead us into our, our next one. Next, our next uh, episode, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Yankees rethinking about their window because I think that you're either going to try and capitalize on the next two years and forego, you know, the future, or you're going to understand that next year is going to have to be, once again, a development year and that the best years for this group of guys is probably 22, 20, or 20, 23, sorry, 23, 24, 25, 26. Um, if you aim for that window, that's probably the most successful run you can make at, you know, going for multiple World Series titles, which is what the Yankees want to do. Um, but I think we're really jumping the gun. Uh, we'll save that for the next episode. That's all I got for, for this one. I don't want to just lead us into another hour of talking. You know what I mean? We totally couldn't have. <laughs> Good. We really three could. hour podcast. But we've done them before. You no, know, we have. We have done them before. But I mean, as always, drop into our bio section, 
Submit all your questions. Show us some love. Don't forget, hit that follow button. Hit that like button. And you'll hear from us next time. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs>